You're in the water loop. Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet made possible in part by a grant from Springpoint Partners. Visit waterloop.org for all of our content. This is episode number 135, Coordination for Louisiana's Coast. Before Hurricane Katrina, the work to protect and restore Louisiana's coast was fragmented among various government agencies with limited budgets and little coordination. The devastation of the storm and continued catastrophic loss of land and wetlands spurred the formation of a central agency to coordinate all activities and funds as the state recommitted to saving the coast. The efforts of that government agency and the 50-year, $50 billion plan at Spearheads is discussed in this episode with Chip Klein, chairman of the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority for Louisiana. Chip also talks about following the best science, specific projects to bolster hurricane protection and coastal restoration, and the need for both traditional infrastructure and natural buffers. You're in the Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis, joined for this episode by Chip Klein, Chairman of the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Travis, thanks for having me. Yeah, so lots of attention on the Louisiana coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you always hear about it in the news outside of this state and outside of this area. What's happening with the Mississippi River? What's happening with the coast? What's happening with the Gulf? Um, why is there so much national interest and attention on this area? What's, what's, why is it so important? Well, first of all, Louisiana has some of the highest rates of land loss anywhere in the world. Um, the fact that we've lost over 2,000 square miles of our state since the 1930s, which is roughly the size of the state of Delaware. Uh, but I think that the, the, the overall national significance of coastal Louisiana, uh, I think, is something that not very many people recognize, even people that live in the state of Louisiana today. Uh, the fact is that over 2 million people live in South Louisiana. Um, if you look at um, the commerce that moves up and down the Mississippi River on a daily basis, the fact that 90% of the nation's grain flows up and down the Mississippi River every year, uh, the fact that over 90% of the nation's oil and gas uh, that is produced in the deep water oil and, uh, excuse me, the deep water Gulf of Mexico is actually serviced out of Port Fouchon. of that oil and gas is actually transported through the Louisiana offshore oil port. 18 to 20% of the nation's oil and gas in total comes from South Louisiana. Five of the top 15 largest ports in the entire country are located in South Louisiana. Uh, So it can be argued that South Louisiana literally feeds and fuels large portions of this country. Even from from a seafood perspective, if you look at our recreational and commercial fisheries, those are usually ranked one to two nationally, uh, depending on what year you're looking at. We run a tight tight race with with the state of Alaska uh, every year. But this is a place that that matters. Uh, It's a working coast. People make their living on the coast and from coastal Louisiana. Um, But it's not only important to our state as a whole, uh, not only important to the Gulf Coast as a whole, but it's an important place for the country. Uh, as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Before the the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority was established, 
how was this coast managed? So great question. So prior to the creation of CPRA, the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority, the, the coastal program, if you will, coastal Louisiana was kind of managed by various state agencies. And what happened, the turning point uh, for South Louisiana and particularly the coastal region of our state occurred as a result of Hurricane Katrina. That was the, the game changer for the state of Louisiana. It was the impetus for uh, the Coastal Authority being created to begin with. And so prior to Hurricane Katrina, you had the Coastal Restoration Arm was housed in the Department of Natural Resources. You had the Hurricane Protection Arm of our, of our agency that was housed in the Department of Transportation and Development. So they were segregated into various agencies. And what we saw was is that agencies tend to trip over one another when there's similar authorities and jurisdictions that are in place. Um, and so what happened after uh, Hurricane Katrina, you recall that there were several congressional committee hearings, congressional um, oversight hearings to look at why the failures of Hurricane Katrina happened. Um, and so there were various reforms that were put in place at the federal government on how the Corps of Engineers does their business, how they conduct themselves. But also uh, Congress and the federal government spoke and said, look, if we're going to be investing hundreds of billions of dollars in your recovery, then you yourself, the state of Louisiana, you need to get your act together. You need to change the way that you are approaching hurricane protection, flood control in the state of Louisiana. As a result, the Louisiana uh, legislature acted and formed one single authority, one single state entity whose sole responsibility is both hurricane protection and coastal restoration in the state of Louisiana. Mm. And how is it set up? Maybe that gets into the bureaucracy a little bit, but that's okay. So, you know, you mentioned these different agencies had different roles. And mm -hmm. so how, how did it address that and, and try to improve and streamline uh, so operations? I think it's important for your viewers and listeners to know that we're not your typical state agency. We, we don't have a secretary of coastal protection and restoration, so to speak. So we're a little unique in how we're structured and how we operate. So. First of all, you have uh, the Coastal Protection Restoration Authority Board um, that is chaired uh, by me as the governor's executive assistant and chairman of the, of the board. And in my role, I am responsible for coordinating all of the various responsibilities, authorities, jurisdictions of all of the various state agencies that touch this issue, that touch hurricane protection, flood control, and coastal restoration. The board is comprised of about 22 members, is comprised of, of 22 members. Um, they're all of the relevant state agencies, but there's also regional appointees from levy districts, local parishes that sit on the board. The board's role is to oversee the work that is called for within the coastal master plan. We have a 50 year, $50 billion plan that calls for all of the investments, all of the projects that need to be made to achieve a sustainable coast moving forward. But under the jurisdiction of the board is CPRA, the agency, which is about 180 men and women who go to work every day, our engineers, our scientists, our project managers, our administrative support staff that are actually responsible for doing the day-to-day -day work and carrying out um, the mission or the objectives that are called for in the, the coastal master plan. But one of the things that served the state well is having that single entity, that, that one person um, as chairman of the board, but then also as executive assistant to the governor. Um, we actually have a, a cabinet level position that has the direct reports directly to the governor that elevates this issue uh, to a stature 
so to speak, um, that um, where it needs to be, that it gives it the attention that it needs and deserves. Yeah. Well, the coast is so critical to the state for the reasons you outlined. So it's, it's right. a critical issue to that highest executive in the state. Absolutely. Uh, you've mentioned the coastal master plan. You know, I was going to ask about your key areas of work. I guess your work is really guided by that master plan. It is. So our master plan, the first master plan was developed in 2007. It's updated every six years now. And the reason why it's updated is we want to utilize the best available science. Mm -hmm. We, we literally have people from around the world uh, that are coming here to Baton Rouge, Louisiana to help inform our efforts to help us research the solutions to the problems uh, that we face. And so we want to make sure that we are looking at um, sea level rise rates, subsidence rates, you know, susceptibility to hurricanes, all of the best available data has got to be folded into that plan, which governs all of the state's activities as it relates to this issue. Right. And so our plan is a, it's a 50 year plan. It's not a short term plan. It's a plan that looks at the long term sustainability of, of South Louisiana. It identifies key investments. Um, if you would put a price tag on what it would take to ultimately, quote unquote, save South Louisiana, you'd be looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of about $200 billion. The state of Louisiana is never going to get $200 billion. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a frank assessment. We want to be very honest, but we want to be realistic in what we think we can achieve, what we think we can obtain uh, over a certain number of years. Um, and we're, we're able to do about a billion dollars worth of work a year. Uh, and so we say 50 years, uh, $50 billion is not going to get us to the coast that we had in the 1930s, the 1940s and 1950s, but it's going to get us a coast that we need to have to protect the overwhelming majority of our citizens. It can restore over 800 square miles of land, which is a huge portion of land that was lost to subsidence, sea level rise, oil and gas exploration, hurricanes, oil spills. Um, and so we want to be very transparent with our public that we're, we're not going to be able to you know, return our state to what it once was. Uh, but we can have, a, a, again, a coast um, and the southern perimeter of our state can preserve our working coast, our cultural heritage, but then also provide flood protection to the people who live and work in South Louisiana. You mentioned, you know, these, these pillars of coastal restoration protection, hurricane protection. Could you talk a little bit more just about the types of projects that, that help drive toward those goals? Sure. So when we're talking about hurricane protection, obviously we're talking about levees, floodgates, surge barriers, pump stations, you know, similar to what you, you saw being built around the greater New Orleans area after Hurricane Katrina. The federal government invested $14 billion in, in building that system. There are other federal authorizations that are, that are currently on the books that call for similar type protection projects in Terrebonne and Lafourche, in South Central Louisiana, in Iberia, St. Mary, uh, areas in Plaquemines Parish, uh, even areas in, in southwest Louisiana, Cameron, Calcasieu, Vermilion, areas that were he very heavily impacted by an unprecedented hurricane season in, in 2020. So when we're talking about hurricane protection, those are the types of projects we're talking about. When it comes to coastal restoration, you're, you're talking about restoring your coast from the various factors of land loss. Uh, primarily, you're talking about dredging and pumping sediment. So we're dredging areas offshore or dredging the Mississippi River or the Atchafalaya Rivers and pumping that sediment into our, into our estuaries, into our marshes to create land. 
Um, you're talking about barrier island restoration. Barrier islands are our first line of defense here in, in South Louisiana. There's a perimeter across the perimeter of our state. You have several chains of barrier islands that when a storm is coming on shore, it's that first speed bump that a storm hits. It also provides critical habitat for wildlife uh, and fisheries. But look, our primary problem in South Louisiana when it comes to land loss is a lack of sediment. When the Mississippi, was, was, Mississippi River was levied, after the flood of 1927, that's when our land loss crisis started in the state. The Mississippi River literally built the land we stand on today. Uh, and when that river was levied into its current course, that's when we started seeing our land disappear. So one of the, one of the keystone projects, cornerstone projects of the coastal master plan is reintroducing the Mississippi River to our, our ecosystems, to our, uh, to our wetlands. And so there are two major projects that we're not right now working on, sediment diversions where we're putting a controlled structure, uh, one on the west bank and one on the east bank of the Mississippi River, to divert that water, that sediment load, that fresh water into um, the, those wetlands. And, and the great thing about reconnecting the Mississippi River is this. Number one, it's going to help sustain the existing land that's in place today. It's going to help sustain the land that we're building through some of our dredging projects, but it's also going to create on its own, over 13,000 acres of land, depending on uh, which environmental scenario you're looking at. If it's more of extreme sea level rise and subsidence rates, you're talking about 13,000, but the Mid-Barataria Sediment Diversion alone, one of the major projects that we're working on, what can almost double the land building capability if those extreme environmental scenarios don't, don't pan out. So from restoration, you're talking about reintroducing the river, managing the river in a, lot, in a way that will help recreate the natural process that built the state of Louisiana to begin with. You're talking about restoring barrier islands. You're talking about restoring ridges, um, marshes, and things like that. Because hurricane protection and coastal restoration is one and the same. For every two miles of coastal wetlands that exist today, storm surge can be knocked down by one foot. And so these coastal restoration projects are working hand in hand with some of the hurricane protection projects that we talked about with your levees. It's what takes the pressure off of some of your, your inland, more gray infrastructure type protection projects. So in the time that the authority's been around, how, do you, how would you assess the progress that's been made on, on those main missions that you have? So since 2007, the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority has secured over 20 billion dollars for hurricane protection and coastal restoration projects. Uh, we have utilized about 150 million cubic yards of material, which created 50,000 acres of new land. We are built of improved, improved over 330 miles of levees across South Louisiana and built improved over 60 miles of barrier islands. Uh, so there's been a tremendous amount of progress. The master plan is not a plan that just sits on a shelf here in Baton Rouge that we look at and we study and we hem and haw over. It's an actionable plan. Cool. It's a plan that is, that is actually implemented. And we're at a point in time in the state of Louisiana where we actually have the political will and the necessary funding to implement these projects that have literally been envisioned for years. Now, this is an issue that has been studied for, for decades. Um, Everyone that lives in this state is aware of our coastal crisis. Um, and to be at a point in time where over the next four years, we will actually break ground on projects that restore more land than we expect to lose. Mm. And that's the first time that we've been able to say that since the 1930s. So a tremendous amount of progress has been made. We have some game-changing projects uh, underway today um, that are actually going to 
put this state on, on, a, on a trajectory and pathway to, an, again, to a coast that we, that we need, that can protect our citizens, uh, protect our way of life and, and our cultural heritage, which is quite unique here in South Louisiana. Absolutely. Uh, it's one of the reasons it's one of my favorite places to visit. Um, what, what about lessons learned? Everything doesn't go perfectly, right? You, when you're doing work or you're gathering science, um, what maybe have you all learned over the past decade or so where you're like, okay, we need to change course on that or do something differently? Well, I think there's always, you know, lessons learned on specific projects. You know, you could have probably built this to a higher elevation or you could have maybe changed the way the rocks, if you're doing rocks or um, shoreline protection measures, segmented breakwaters or things like that. So, but I think for the, for the most part, uh, when, when you're talking about big picture lessons learned, I, I would say that it can't just be about hurricane protection systems that you have to restore the natural buffer. And, and when you start talking about that, people put on their, well, that's a kind of a conservation type issue. Mm -hmm. But again, you're talking about an area that is one to two nationally in our, in our fisheries, um, a huge amount of um, grain and all, all of this stuff. So when you're talking, excuse me, a huge amount of grain flows up and down the Mississippi River. We talked about the oil and gas. All of those things are protect, pr protected by a productive estuary, by a productive ecosystem. And when your ecosystem collapses, all of those economic assets are more susceptible to the environmental scenarios that, that are always staring us in the face from hurricanes, sea level rise, subsidence. And so you actually saw in Southwest Louisiana in 2020, two major storms hit Southwest Louisiana. If you recall, the National Weather Service came out and said, unsurvivable storm surge was gonna hit Southwest Louisiana. We had never heard that term before. Um, we were talking about storm surge of about 18 to 20 feet, 15 to 20 miles inland. There was a shift in the track of the storm, but th that surge was not realized in areas, in the populated areas in the northern parts of southwest Louisiana. Why was that? It was because of the natural buffer. It was because of the work that we have done uh, in securing our coast, protecting our coast, restoring the, the wetlands that again, for every two miles of wetlands that exist, uh, storm surge can be knocked down by, by one foot. And so I think if there's a lesson learned, it's a lesson that, that, is, that is a productive lesson to be learned is that it, it can't be one or the other. It has to be both and. It has to be hurricane protection, your levees, your pump stations, uh, your flood walls, but also we can't forget uh, the importance of the natural environment um, that, and, and how important of a role that plays in protecting uh, the people that live and work here in the state of Louisiana. Yeah. You mentioned that the funding you've lined, you have secured and it's just lined up and you got your master plan um, and a lot of success seems to lie ahead with what's going on. Mm -hmm. But what are your maybe couple challenges um, that you're, you can see that are out there or things that you still need to kind of overcome? Well, I think that the speed that the federal government moves is, is frustrating. Um, I think that the federal government has come a long way since Hurricane Katrina. Uh, but look, we have federal authorizations that have been on the books for over 30 years. If you look at the West Shore Lake Pontchartrain, 
uh, pro project. It's a, a hurricane protection project that protects St. Charles, St. John, and St. James parishes. It was authorized in 1972. If you fast forward to 2010, 2011, when Hurricane Isaac hit, 60,000 homes flooded. If, if that project had been built, you wouldn't have seen near the devastation uh, in the river parishes. And so I think getting the federal government, and, and the same can be said for you know some of us in, in state government, the, the sense of urgency has got to be elevated uh, to meet the dire situation that we face. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when the next hurricane is gonna happen. And so we need to be doing everything we can as fast as we possibly can uh, to protect the people uh, here in, in the state of Louisiana. I think a, a second thing that, that threatens our work, or not really threatens our work, but uh, I think that we need to do a better job of to make sure that we're really telling the story of, of South Louisiana is that too many people look at this as, that's a kind of an environmental issue or a conservation type issue. And it, it is about that. It is about the environment. It is about creating habitat for wildlife and fisheries, but it's so much bigger than that. Um, again, two million people. We talked about the importance of South Louisiana. Um, yeah. This is about the economy. It's about this the economy. Is, yeah. It's working coast. It's, it's all those things. So I think we, we've got to get the public um, to or to get the public to look at this issue through a different lens. Mm -hmm. And what we say is, is that look, you have countless priorities in state government from roads, bridges, to healthcare facilities, to education facilities, higher education, kindergarten, lower education, all, all of those things. All of those things are important. They deserve our attention, but they're worth nothing if they're underwater. Mm -hmm. And so while, that's why this issue of hurricane protection and coastal restoration has got to be at the forefront um, for not only the federal government, not only the state government, but also local governments uh, provide a key role in, in our efforts. And so th this issue needs to be continued to be elevated to give it the attention it needs and deserves. Yeah. Last question I had for you, Chip, is just what does success look like? Um, you know, I think when it comes to coastal environment, to pressures from water, it's going to always be evolving, right? Mm -hmm. you, know, you might not ever get to a, a set finish line, but where are you hoping to kind of go and be like, you know, we did it, if you will? Well, I don't know if we'll ever get to that point, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I don't know if we're ever going to get to a point in time in this overall effort to where we say, okay, we're done. We implemented the plan. Let's go home. This is going to be an effort that goes on in, into the future. We're not going to get to year 50 and say, all right, let's pack our bags. We did it. Let's go home. Let's shut down the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. You're always going to have you know, a master plan that governs the state's activities moving forward. Um, and, and so there, there are always going to be different environmental scenarios that the people who live and work here are going have to have to grapple with. Um, but what does success look like from, from my standpoint is that when you have a Category 3 or Category 4 hurricane, um, that you don't see the devastation that, that you saw back in 2005. And, and I think you're starting to see that. Uh, if you recall back during Hurricane Rita, also it was in 2005, Terrebonne and Lafouche parishes experienced an eight to nine foot storm surge in Hurricane Rita. Over 12,000 homes flooded. If you fast forward to 2019, Hurricane Barry brought a similar storm surge to Terrebonne and Lafouche parishes. 11 homes flooded. And so the, the investments that we're making, they're, they're paying off. 
they're, they're making a difference. They're protecting people, businesses, and livelihoods. Um, and so that's success. Those are investments that are making a difference. They're, they're paying off. They're protecting people. They're keeping water out of people's homes. Um, but look, I, I want to be clear with the public here in Louisiana and around the country is that this is going to be an ongoing battle um, going on well into the future. And so it's a fight that is absolutely worth fighting and a fight that we got to win. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, really appreciate the chance to sit down and talk to you. Very informative. And, uh, you know, like you've talked about, and I know that what's happening here is something looked at by people around the country, around the world, really unique situation. So I appreciate you sharing uh, insight on how it's all managed. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me. It's great, great discussion. Thank you for listening to this episode. And thanks again to Springpoint Partners for grant funding. Remember, you can support the Waterloop nonprofit media outlet at patreon.com slash the Waterloop. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates, and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.